If you have your Bibles, I want you to open to Ephesians. Everybody say Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1, which is towards the back of your Bible. We are going to be going through a three-week series leading into Thanksgiving, talking specifically about the first two chapters of this book. How many of you know that when it comes to the Bible... That there, are, And when it comes to God, maybe, that there are a lot of different people saying a lot of different things about who God is and what it means. How many would just acknowledge that? No, nobody's talking about God. No, there's a lot of people that talk about what a relationship with God looks like. Amen? Amen? If you not understand, you got to let me know, and then I got to explain it. That's my job. You know? There are a lot of people. There's a culture out there. There's a ton of different systems of belief out there saying that this is what it means to be in relationship with God. Some of it, this is what religion is. This is what Christianity is. You know, there are a lot of people that have a lot of different things to say about Jesus in our culture. Amen? There's a lot of different sources. There's a lot of different people. Maybe you're in this room and you're someone that's heard different things from the people around you. It could be from your parents. It could be from, you know, people at school. It could be teachers. I was just hearing from a student this last week at our Bible study about a teacher specifically saying that here is my stance on Jesus. There is no Jesus because of this, this, and this, and this. And so they're like, I want to know more because I'm hearing this about Jesus. But then over here, I hear that they're saying this about Jesus. There are tons of different sources when it comes to figuring out who God is. And similar to the last series that we talked about, It is our responsibility to figure out what we believe and why we believe in it. But one of the things that we get to do is we get to seek out the truth of who God is through his word. How many of you know, how many have ever heard of counterfeit money? Maybe you've watched a Netflix show, maybe you watch a movie or anything like that, where you have to recognize counterfeit. How many of you have ever heard of like the CIA or the FBI? How many of you want to work for the CIA someday? Mr. President. Now, did you know in Canada, when it comes to their national security, you want to know something funny about when it comes to money, what they do? Did you know that this is how they train people up to recognize counterfeits? They don't sit down and they go, okay, here are all the counterfeit monies in the world. Do you want to know what they do? They take real real Canadian money, all right, and they study it. And they know it inside and out. They know everything about it. Boys, Giuliano, thank you. They study it so they know it completely inside and out. And you want to know why they do that? They don't even bother talking about counterfeits. You want to know why? (laughs) Because since they know exactly what it is, it's so easy for them to recognize what it's not. They can recognize a counterfeit from a mile away, even if they've never seen it before because they know what the truth is. Did you know that with your relationship with God, it's the same way? When you know the truth of God, it's not just about figuring out all what's wrong, but it's truly figuring out what's right so that you can see a counterfeit from a mile away. See, in Ephesians, that's what this letter is about. It's about a pastor Writing a letter to the people that he was leading, it would be very much like myself or another pastor writing a letter to you guys saying, this is the truth of who God is. 
And what Paul does in here to a place called Ephesus is that he writes this letter about this is who God is, this is how you come to know him, and this is what it means from there. And so we're going to just look at the first two chapters over the next three weeks. So if you're looking with me, let's go ahead and look at chapter 1, verse 3 with me. Also, I would recommend that if you don't have a Bible, keep the one that you have. And if you do have one, read this book over the next couple weeks. Because there's only so much we can go through together from the stage. Amen? So... Verse 3, this is how Paul would start the letter. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of the glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. And in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Can you say amen with me? If you didn't understand fully that passage, that's okay. It's a very deep and rich passage. You know something funny, though, about it? This is one of the funniest things about the Bible that I love talking about. Say what you want. Maybe you're someone that isn't very familiar with the Bible, and that's okay. Um, I know that sometimes I'm unfamiliar with certain portions. But there are times when I look at the Bible, or maybe you've heard someone refer to it as a book of rules, or maybe a book of instructions on how to live and act a certain way. Maybe you're the kind of person that thinks being a Christian is just acting a certain way. That if you act like this, if you don't do this, then that makes you maybe more Christian than other people around you. But you want to know what we see here immediately in the passage? Paul doesn't dive in and say, okay, Ephesus, you guys need to do this. You need to stop doing that. He begins with describing God's character. Isn't that interesting to think about? That out of all the places that this guy would have started... In a relationship with God, he starts by describing God's character. The character comes before the behavior because ultimately God's character is the only one that can change our behavior in the first place. Amen? The peanut gallery said amen for sure down there. There we go. So I want to ask you guys a question. Have you ever thought to yourself, how am I doing with God? you ever thought about that before? I know some of us may think, is there a God out there? But have you ever asked yourself, how am I personally doing with God? Or have you ever been approached, how are you doing with God? And you're like, hmm. But you see, it's funny. As a pastor, that's a question I like to ask a lot. Not even as a pastor, but just as a Christian. Because the relationship with Jesus is so important. How are you doing with faith? How are you doing with God? You want to know nine times out of ten what people do? Well, yeah, I'm doing all right. You know, I'm, I'm reading my Bible. I'm going to church. And I'm, I'm doing this. Yeah, I've been hanging out with friends and building community. I'm like, good. Everybody go, hmm, hmm, that is good. You know what's funny about stuff like that? You know how much they describe God in that? None. 
It was all, how are you doing with us? Well, this is what I'm doing. This is what I, or it's the opposite. This is what I'm not doing. You know, like, this is what I'm not doing for God. And either way, good or bad, have you noticed that the focus is on themselves? Everybody go, hmm. Thank you, Sherlock, over in the left side. But you see, I think we have a natural kind of bend about us that we think it's more about us and what we do than it is about who God is. What if I told you the key to having a healthy relationship with God was knowing who God is before you doing anything? Have you ever thought about that? If you're someone in this room who struggles with God, maybe you're struggling because you're too focused on yourself and your behavior and not focused on who Jesus is and how much he loves us and what the implications of that actually mean for your life. See, in this passage, I want you guys to look at verse 4 with me. We're going to go through a couple of them. The first one, it says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. How many of you have ever heard of the creation story? It's in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. It's a beautiful Description says, in the beginning, God's created the heavens and the earth. And it goes into this beautiful description of how God spoke the world into motion. God created the world around us. And what he declared was that it was good. Many of us know the story of creating humanity itself through Adam and Eve. And that human beings themselves, they were called the crown of God's creation. They said that they were created in the image of God to be like God and to love others like God. But I want you to think about it for a minute. Before anything in the world happened, think about this for a minute. Before anything was created in the world, God had you in mind. God was thinking about you. But what it would say is that God chose you. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that fascinating to think that God has chosen us before any of us ever came to be. Question, how many of you have any siblings in here? How many of you love your siblings? Hmm. How many of you are like, yeah, right now? Maybe not. Kind of hit or miss. It's a roomy thing, you know? So, I have three older siblings. I have an older brother named Mike. Everyone thinks I look like Mike. Not Michael Jordan, Michael Serum. So, it's actually funny. I feel like wherever I go, yesterday at our condominium complex, because Mike used to live there, there's always people that are looking at me like, and it's like, I'm not Mike. Nah, you know? And people always get us mixed up. Actually, one time here at church, my brother was just attending, and some old lady walked up to him and said, we really loved your sermon last week. And he's like, great, I didn't preach, you know? And so, how many of you have a sibling that you look like? Yeah, just a couple. Well, don't worry. You guys are different. (laughs) Believe me. So, Mike is someone that I've grown up knowing. He's a year older than me. As you can imagine, having a brother a year older than you, we would fight a lot. We would get to know each other. It would kind of be that on and off a relationship. It's like, I love him only when I'm not hating him. You know? Now, my brother, I want you to think about this. My brother, we both have grown up. Um, he met a gal named Talia. They got married. Um, there's a picture of them right now. Go ahead and put that up. There's Mike. There's Talia. And that is Steele, their baby son. His first birthday. Now, 
I want you to think about something for a minute because none of us are in a place where we're fathers or mothers at all yet. And yet, I can remember the whole process of them. Guys, stay with me. I can remember the whole process of them saying, hey, we're, we're pregnant. And we're going to have a kid. And we're so excited about it. And the whole pregnancy, the whole preparation of it. Um, and actually, I want to show you guys this picture. This is like zero family picture of the year. This is actually Mike holding his son for the first time. And I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I was like choked up. And I still get choked up when I see this picture because here's my brother that I've known my entire life. And here he is holding his son for the first time. And just even just the change that I've seen in him, the minute that he became a father, there are a lot of things that change people in this world. There's nothing, nothing that I've witnessed in other people than by them becoming a father or them becoming a mother and them holding their kid for the first time. It's just, it's mind-blowing to say the least. And that's, so now Steele's just over a year old, but I want to I ask you a question about Mike specifically. Could you imagine them being in the delivery room? Talia has given birth to their firstborn son, and the doctor goes, excuse me, Mike, do you want to hold your son for the first time? And he goes, not really. I don't know who he is. Or go, well, what has he done for me? It's like, okay, definitely not father of the year in this delivery room. Now, no, absolutely not. I want to hold him. He's my son. And I want to love him no matter who he is, even if he has no idea who I am. Amen? Now, think about this even further. Do you think having an infant son takes away your sleep? Absolutely. So if you value sleep, don't get married and don't have kids soon. All right? Because it takes a lot of energy and a lot of sleepless nights, a lot of effort to take care of them, a lot of effort to protect them. I've seen bags under my brother's eyes I had never seen before on a human being. You know, because of things that, and they're taking care of them and they're always there for them and they're pouring out their life for them. But could you imagine, I want you to imagine this, imagine their house for a minute. Here they are, they're sitting in their house and still sitting there, you know, crying. Natalia's like, Mike, can you take care of Steele? And he goes, why? He hasn't done anything for me. I would, you go to prison for that. So, no, of course not. He's not sitting there going, well, what has Steele done for me? Because the whole idea of being a father, being a mother, is that you need to take care of the kid before they can do anything for you. Did you guys know That when you were growing up, you didn't offer anything to your parents. And yet they loved you, and yet they took care of you, and they didn't hold it against you. These great godly parents did. And now a day is going to come. Now, obviously, Steele can't talk yet. He's trying to. Aren't we all? You know, a day is going to come when Steele's going to just, one day, he's just going to stop. And he's going to look at his parents and he's going to go, Mom, Dad, you know, what do you think he's going to ask them? Do you love me? Absolutely. That's exactly what he's going to ask. And it's going to be a serious question. Hey, boys, thank you. Um, And you know what's going to be the answer? Of course. That wasn't a decision that they made in that moment. Like, 
mom, dad, do you love me? And my brother's like, hmm, let me think about this. I haven't really thought about it at all, actually, after nine, ten years of living. No. In fact, it's going to be him looking at him and saying, we've loved you long before you were ever born. And we loved you before you could even speak. We loved you before you could even look at us. Even know who we are. Comprehend what love is. And yet, can I ask you guys a question? How often do we think that God is deciding in the moment if he loves us or not? How often do you think that when you say, God, do you love me? Do you care about me? That we think God is going, hmm, let me think about this for a minute. I haven't really thought about it. God is someone who decided to love you and always be inclined to love you before you were ever born. God has chosen to love us and to give his life for us before we could even comprehend or know who God is. I want you to think about it for a minute because think about someone in your life that you think is the farthest from God or where you think, oh, God would never love them. You know, God loves them just as much as you because God chose that before the creation of the world. God's inclination when it comes to who he is, is that he loves us. The word would say in 1 John 4, it says that it isn't just that God is about love. It says that God is love. Can you say those three words with me? God is love. It's in his DNA that the God in heaven loves us and will love us in everything. It is outside of his will to not do something out of love, even when it's disciplined, even when it's difficult. Let me ask you a question about steel for a minute. So I want, now I want you to imagine, imagine steel later in his life, steals the car, drives around, doesn't have a license, comes home. Mike realizes you're in trouble. You're in big trouble. Don't ever do that. And he says, you're grounded, <laughs> you know, for two months, you can't drive. Imagine Steele going, oh, you don't love me anymore, do you? Mike's not going to go, yeah, I don't love you anymore because you did that one thing. He no, I've been loving you since the beginning, and I want what's best for you, and I'm not going to allow you to engage in that behavior and hurt yourself or others, so I'm going to do this out of love for you. See, when God does things like that to us in our lives— for our best interest and because of love, sometimes we think, oh, it's because he doesn't love us that this thing happened. When actually, it's the very reason for why he did do it. Or imagine if you were confused about something and you're like, you don't love me. And it's like, of course I love you. I'm your parent. I've been taking care of you up to this point, and that's not going to change. You know, that's the same thing with God before us, that he loves us and he has this vast love. And that's where we have to start. Because whatever reason, this is one of the greatest struggles, I believe, in all spiritual warfare. God is trying to help you realize how much he loves you. And you have an enemy that would look at you and tell you God hates you. Isn't that interesting to think about? That's where the battle is in our hearts. That's where the battle is in our faith. Is figuring out where do we think, what do we think of God when it comes to our lives? Do we think God is mad at us? Do we think God is just tolerating us? Do we think God is fed up with us right now? Or does God love us? Does God give his best for us? Is God patient with us? How do you see God in your life? 
See, the verse, in verse 5, it would say adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. This is taking it to a whole nother level. I want you guys to think about something. Maybe actually you're someone in this room that was adopted. And if you are someone in this room, I'm so glad that you did get adopted. That is something of a process I haven't personally experienced myself. But man, what a journey that is. Because what the word would say is that when we were separated from God, it's like God, even though he chose us before the beginning of the world and we fell into sin, that God like adopted us back. Boys, thank you. In fact, I want you to think about, if you don't know a lot about the adoption system, this is why I think it's more of a reflection of who God is. The adoption system is something that's beautiful, but it also has a little bit of brokenness in it too. Because when it comes to orphanages, when it comes to things, did you know as kids get older in the orphanage system, a lot of people won't adopt them because they're like, oh, they're older, or oh, I don't know what their behavior is going to be like. Or the other thing is they go, oh, I don't like how they look. Oh, I don't know. I don't like these traits about this kid, and so I'm not going to choose them. Which is a really difficult thing for a kid who doesn't know or have parents to be rejected by people and say, Oh, I don't want you to be a part of my life. But I want you to think about God. God knows all of our imperfections, and God is the kind of person that looks at us and says, I want you. I want you to be a part of my house. See, it's not like God like gave birth to us and went, well, that's our kid, so onward we go. That's not necessarily it. It's like God knows exactly what we're prone to and what we're weak to and where we're going to fall. And yet he says, I love you. I will forgive you if you come to me and I have a place for you in my house. Amen. God has a place for us. In fact, I love that term chosen in him before the creation of the world. Because in 1 John four nineteen it says, We love because He first loved us. Before we ever chose God, God has already chosen us. God has already decided that He's going to pursue us before we make any decision to pursue Him. Jesus at the Last Supper to His disciples would say, You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. He says, You guys didn't choose me. It wasn't like we said, we love you, Lord. And he's like, oh, they love me. I got to make a decision about what I'm going to do about this human race. He says, I have loved you since the very beginning. And now it's you're the second one making the decision in this relationship. God has made his choice. And God is not going to change his mind. So what is our choice when it comes to God In fact, God is someone who would go as far as to say, not only did he just choose us just because, but God has a purpose for our own lives. I believe that that's a form of love as well, that if you love someone, that you're giving them a purpose, that you're not just going to let a kid necessarily do whatever they want. Imagine, now let's go back to the family example. Sorry, I keep taking you back into the cereal family tree. But I want you to imagine if my parents just let Steel grow up. And let's say Steel just doesn't go to school. Steel doesn't do anything. Steel develops all sorts of bad habits. Starts hanging out with people that he really shouldn't hang out with. My parents are just like, ah, well, I love him. I'm okay with them. And all of a sudden by age, you know, in his 20s or 30s, he has no education. He's broke. He's hurting. He's in hurtful relationships. And they're like, oh, yeah, but we love him. 
But that doesn't necessarily mean that's the most loving thing. That's why love is not just necessarily saying, hey, you're cool, but it's saying, hey, there's a purpose for your life and I want to partner with you. That's why this is so important to do. This is why this is so important to go to school or to work your job or to respect people around you or to hang around the right people. It's all the same with our relationship with God because God is someone who says, hey, I love you, but that doesn't mean I'm going to let you go off the deep end and hurt yourself. See, God recognizing our lives, it says this. He chose us before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. So God has a purpose for us and an idea of what he wants for us. He didn't just choose us, but he chose us for something specific. Colossians 1, 21 through 22, Paul in another letter, he would write this. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your mind because of your evil behavior, talking about sin and our inclination for sinful things. It says this, listen. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death, talking about Jesus dying on the cross, to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation, holy and blameless. You are holy. You're like God. It's like your sin has been taken away. And so now you are holy as God is holy, but you are blameless. And so when you have an enemy that says you're in bad relationship with God, or you have an enemy that says, you know, God hates you. You don't, you're free from that accusation. You don't have to stand there and go, well, I heard an accusation, so it must be true. How many of you know that everything that we hear about us isn't true? There are a lot of voices that are speaking in. That's why this knowing the truth is so important. Back to the beginning, like we talked about. There's so many voices claiming certain things about you and claiming certain things about how God feels about you. And so knowing the difference between what is accusation versus what is truth. Because the truth of the matter is when you're in Jesus Christ, you are free from that accusation of saying that you're not in good standing with God. God loves us and God has this inclination to love us always. And I think believing in someone's motives is the most important thing to a healthy relationship. How many of you know, understand what I, what I say when I say the word motive? How many of you know, like, there are certain things that people do? How many of you do dumb stuff every once in a while? And you're like, what was I thinking? But how many of you know you could do that same thing really intentionally or maybe really hurtfully or really maliciously? See, it's the difference between doing something and the motive behind it. You know, one of my friends, he gave me really good advice um, when it came to relationships. He says, don't look at people's behavior as much as their motives because the best people around you are going to hurt you. But if you believe in the best out of them, you will say, you know what? I understand that that was a mistake and I forgive you. How many of you know when someone does something and you're like, why did you do that? I think there was something malicious behind that. It's like the relationship begins to break. See, motives are an important thing. And God's motive for us is always out of love. And that gives you the full attitude and picture of how God wants to relate to each and every one of us. You ever thought about that before? Because if you're questioning God's motives, you're like, you know what, God did that out of hate. Or God did that because he's mad at me. It's going to break your relationship with God. But what if God does something and you're like, oh, oh, he just did that because that was, it's like, no, God loved you. He blessed you with that. 
Because you're his daughter. You're his son. The motives of God's love for us is so important. I'm going to just invite you guys to close your Bibles. Turn off phones. No phones or anything. Worship team, if you want to come back up. See, we serve a God that chose us before the creation of the world. To be holy and blameless in his sight. Now, I want you to think about something because... God has a plan for us, and God wants to make a way for us. And this is where Jesus comes into the picture because, you know, there's a lot of people out there that would acknowledge that there's a greater power that loves us, but this is why Jesus is so important. How is that executed? How does God actually do that is through Jesus, which we're going to talk about next week.